Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Daily DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Uh, we're a week removed from a uh, very <laughs> unorthodox WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania. Good way of putting it. WrestleMania 36 at the PC. Um, we got some news as we are taping this today on Friday, April 10th. Uh, you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. You can follow me at Randy J. Cruz. And the podcast is on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. So, Graham, before we get into uh, things that are transpiring at the current moment, um, quick takeaways before we go into match by match real quick. Uh, quick takeaways from WrestleMania 36. I thought it was good. I don't know if I'm the minority on this one because I saw a lot of people say the same thing. But, I mean, needless to say, they made the most of a bad situation with no fans, two-day event. It's, like you said, I think the perfect way to sum the show up is unorthodox between the two nights. I actually like the two-day format just because if I sat there watching a, what, seven, eight-hour show in front of no fans, it would. I think I would have a completely different view of the show than I do. But um, three hours per show, not counting the kickoff. The kickoff was completely poor pointless both shows um i think it was a great show i think overall it was a very good pay-per-view maybe not the greatest wrestlemania of all time by any stretch but uh considering i thought there were more highlights than low points they had enough memorable matches some that weren't even really matches like the firefly funhouse which i thought was great i really liked the boneyard match um you know brock and drew wasn't exactly an instant classic but it had the right outcome i think for the most part even Rhea and charlotte had a great great match i mean the outcome was dumb um, it was unnecessary, but the um, match itself was amazing. So I thought overall, I thought WrestleMania was a success in terms of, um, you know, I, I, I can't say I can't give it an instant thumbs up. I'm not going to be one of those people that sits here and says, oh, they deserve an automatic A plus because they're providing entertainment during these trying times or whatever. Like that's far from the case. I'm not going to give them an automatic just a pass because the show happened during a pandemic. Like, it doesn't work like that. I am grading it on a slight curve because, I mean, you know, there's no fans there. So obviously, like, the ladder match would have been better with people there. But overall, though, I thought it was a very enjoyable two day event. Um, let's get right to it, man. Um, uh, we'll go match by match, uh, match by match. And we'll kind of talk about the, the high points. Uh, Cesaro defeated Drew Gulak. Uh, we have new. Uh, women's tag team champions with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Elias beat King Corbin. Uh, Becky Lynch retained her Raw Women's title against uh, Shayna Baszler, which had people on Twitter up in arms of why Becky was the winner. Well, we'll get mm-hmm. to that. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Sami Zayn is still Intercontinental Champion, defeating uh, Daniel Bryan. John Morrison and The Miz still SmackDown Tag Team Champions, uh, winning in the ladder match in a. a triple threat singles ladder match um kevin owens beat seth rollins i think that was seth rollins first ever loss at wrestlemania braun Strowman is now the new universal champion defeating goldberg in two minutes and taker defeated aj in a boneyard match and that was on saturday sunday Liv morgan defeated uh, natalia charlotte is now the new nxt women's women's champion defeating rhea ripley Alistair Black beat Bobby Lashley. Otis beat uh, Dolph Ziggler. Edge defeated Randy Orton in a uh, last man standing match at over 36 minutes. The longest match of the card. I think second longest in WrestleMania history. I'll check down a few. Street Profits are still Raw Tag Team Champions. Defeating Adriel Garza and Austin Theory. Bailey is still... The SmackDown Women's Champion defeating uh, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina, even though Sasha did not even do anything. Uh, Ray <laughs> yeah. White defeated John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, we'll get to that in a hot second. Drew McIntyre is now the new 
WWE champion defeating Brock Lesnar and in a dark match on WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre <laughs> <laughs> defeated the Big Show and to retain the WWE championship. So, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, man, Big Show couldn't wait, man. He couldn't wait a whole day. <laughs> I guess not. He said, listen, man, while I have Drew McIntyre here right now, you know, it's a, like an unofficial cash-in. So now you don't need a Money to Bank uh, briefcase to just walk yeah, down. Yeah, you just get, walk hey, down you get a title shot. He gets a title shot. Everyone gets a title yeah, exactly. shot. Exactly. Uh, um, so for me, man, uh, the two-day format was cool. I don't think they'll do this going forward. You know, WrestleMania 37 will be in L.A. next year in uh, the new Rams stadium. So I doubt it'll mm-hmm. be two days. Um, but for me... See, like the Shayna thing, I thought she would have won, but I just something tells me that they just didn't want Becky to lose either A at all or B yep. lose in a, a, a an empty arena. So they wanted somehow, some way, Shayna to get her just due, but in front of a crowd, whatever that might be. Um, I liked the the the, the latter match; it was cool. The KO Seth, I did not finish it. I think. Um, Something was on Instagram live that night, and I, I turned my attention to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I did see the Braun Goldberg two minutes. I was that was a waste. Uh, we kind of figured, <laughs> Braun, to say the least. Oh, uh, you know, we kind of figured Braun was going to be the, the champion once they put him in the match. And the Taker Boneyard AJ, I thought it was great. I thought it was um, again something different outside the ring, outside the building. You know, somewhere in, in the grass and graveyard in the woods uh, mm-hmm. with the way. Everything was laid out, very cinematic, very much more like a movie scene. Um, just kind of like, kind of mimics what Orton and Bray Wyatt did. Of course, you know, the, the, all the Matt Hardy stuff and TNA and Jeff Hardy. Um, and I'm glad that was the last, you know, match or scene for the first night at WrestleMania. And then, to me, the, the Firefly Funhouse, which is very... It was very weird, but in, in a good way because obviously none of us wanted to see the Phoenix and John Cena in an empty arena uh, just wrestling. And I thought that was going to be it. I saw John Cena's uh, music. I saw the, the empty ring. I'm like, nah, they can't do this in the ring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they flipped it. It was more like some mind game, psychedelic kind of thing going back into John Cena's uh, past with... The, the debut on SmackDown, the Nikki Bella stuff, um, Rufus Aggression, all that, and just kind of playing mind games with mm-hmm. with John Cena. So um, that was the highlight of, for, for me of Sunday. Glad Drew McIntyre is now the new champion. We'll see what, what, what they do with Brock um, going forward. And to me, I like the last man standing match. A lot of people were saying it went, it went on too long. I didn't know it was 36 minutes, but I just felt mm-hmm. like um, – they they try to make the best of what they can of what they can do in that kind of environment. Edge's first uh, match back in over nine years, and I didn't mind it being that long, and I didn't mind Charlotte being the new NXT champion. I, I a lot of people were on Twitter saying that like, why why Rhea, this is bad. You're, you're supposed to have Rhea, you know, gain more attraction for NXT, and I'm like. The shows, the shows that you're doing upcoming are nobody's gonna be there. Nobody's really gonna care as much about the shows you put on going forward because of this pandemic. So, but now with Charlotte as champion, I did not see NXT this week, so I, I don't know what they did with her if she showed up or not. Um, but I, I just think it's it, it's a different. I think for for Rhea, it'll be different. Look for her when she's back in chase mode um, for the title, trying to capture it again from from charlotte so i think mm-hmm. there's an interesting story with that so overall i think wrestlemania 36 is not like top five top 10 15 all time it, it just yeah. it, it is it, it was what it was uh provides some entertainment for everybody at home uh kind of laid the blueprint if other sports w- were trying to do something in the empty arena or empty stadium but um i think for what it did um it was cool but it's it's not going to be a mania that when I'm a home board. I'm, oh, I gotta click, I gotta click on <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania 36 unless you're Boneyard like and Firefly. But the bone the Boneyard and the Firefly were definitely the two standouts. 
No, I agree. And the funny thing about that is that they weren't even matches. I mean, the Boneyard match, I guess, kind of was, but it really wasn't. Like, they were cinematic matches. They took the cinematic approach, which I love. Um, I think they've done, not them specifically, but, like, I would give credit to Matt Hardy with the Ultimate Deletion stuff, Final Deletion, whatever. He didn't create that type of match, but he kind of brought it to light with his, you know, brilliance a couple years ago. And even before that, Lucha Underground had been doing the cinematic style for years and they never really got their just due from a lot of people. So um, I'm glad they took that approach. Do I Would I want to see that constantly? I mean, you can't. Like, you can't do that all the time. You can't do it with fans there either. Like, you know for a fact that had that arena been full of people, not that arena, but like, uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, they would not have done what they did. We very definitely, very likely would have gotten Cena and Wyatt straight up and Taker and Styles straight up too. Now, Ty- uh, Taker and Styles could have been a decent match, maybe. And I think Styles is great, but I'm not even sh- if, if, I'm not even sure if him at 40 something years old and 2020 is capable of getting a great match out of the Undertaker. Um, I, it probably would have been decent at best. Cena and the Fiend, I had zero expectations for their chemistry five six years ago sucked. I mean, they didn't have great chemistry back then anyway. So I really wasn't anticipating a five star Matt Classic from them in 2020. Um, I'm glad they took the approach they did. Again, and if they had fans, there, what are they going to look up with the Titan? Tron for 20 minutes like that's just not going to happen um so i enjoyed both of those matches you mentioned rollins lost his first match at mania which is actually inaccurate um he lost to randy orton five years ago and then he cashed in you know money in the bank later that night it was the only this was the only mania for whatever this is worth that he never won a match at because he lost at that mania but then he he won later on that night so people kind of forget about that yeah um but anyway so uh you were talking about the rhea charlotte thing and then what was the other thing that you said that people had an issue with or whatever? Uh, Becky and Shayna. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so with that – so I'm of two minds on, on both matches, specifically the outcomes. Shayna and Becky from an in-ring standpoint wasn't nearly as good. It only got eight minutes. How Elias and King Corbin got nine minutes and Becky and Shayna got eight is beyond me. The outcome <laughs> I wasn't a fan of. I mean we sat here a week ago. I, wait, did we do Mania predictions or I can't remember? Was that two weeks ago? I, I think pretty, we did, didn't we? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, I, I definitely said Elias, or I definitely said Sheena to win, but it didn't bother me because of how they did it. They had her go in there, look good in defeat. It's not like she got beat up for 20 minutes or whatever, Becky that is. Or Sheena, I'm sorry, she got in plenty of offense and then she got beat with the uh, Carefuta clutch and then Becky got the fluke win, quote unquote. And they're obviously telling a story there that you can't beat people like Ronda or Sheena decisively. And I'm sure that Sheena will get the belt eventually. Now, if she doesn't, then I would probably be more mad about this. It's like with Shinsuke Nakamura when he lost the WWE title match four years ago or two years ago to AJ Styles. I was like, okay, it's fine as long as he gets the belt in the end and then he never did and he's been cemented as a loser ever since then um but in the case of sheena i think she's okay she didn't lose in five minutes i mean it was an eight minute match but it wasn't like she was dominated or made to look like a loser it was what it was i i don't really have many reservations about that as much as i do the charlotte Rhea thing so my thoughts on that are you are right that there will be no one there going forward. I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, we're going to bring Charlotte to NXT to get more eyes than NXT. I don't think that's the case because she's been on NXT plenty in the last couple of months. It has not done them any favors in the ratings. Ratings, if anything, have gone down. So I don't think that's really going to make much of a difference. Um, I think if anything, it, anyone you bring to NXT, I think, not in terms of a rating standpoint, I don't really care about that, should be helping the brand from a creative standpoint. Finn Balor being there, I don't want to see him there beating all their guys. Yeah, he's beaten Johnny Gargano and Matt Riddle and people like that, but it's clear that he's going to be there for the long haul. I don't see Charlotte being in NXT for the long haul. And yes, it does provide the opportunity for many unprecedented awesome matches with people like Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Io Shirai, who became the number one contender on Wednesday, um, Candice LeRae, and everyone else they have in that division. Mm-hmm. The issue, in my opinion, is really not so much that it hurts Rhea. The match was great. It's not like she went in there, dude, and got buried. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't get buried from that yeah. loss. She'll be perfectly fine. If she goes on to lose for the next six months, again, different story, but on, on the surface, I think she's okay. My issue with the outcome was that NXT does not need Charlotte Flair at all. They have a stacked women's division, arguably better than any other brand they have currently, and they have a lot of great women between Raw and SmackDown. NXT's 
just dominates them in terms of pure, not star power, but in terms of pure talent and booking and everything else. Mm -hmm. They do not need Charlotte down there beating all their women. And yeah, it's going to mean something when someone eventually takes that title from her. But I think that champ, I mean, it it meant something when Shayna got beat too, and she was a full timer in NXT. So I don't really need, I don't really think you need Charlotte down there. I know they don't really have much for Charlotte creatively on raw, but that's their problem. Like that shouldn't come at NXT's expense in my, in my issue, in my opinion, either move her back to SmackDown or, I don't know. You can have her feud with Bianca Belair now that she's on Raw. I mean, I know they had a match a couple weeks ago, but you can turn that into a full-fledged feud. Have her feud with, I hate to say it, but Nia Jax. That would be an option, I, I guess. Um, Sheena at some point. Sheena and Charlotte, the Queen versus the Queen of Spades, writes itself. Um, there's a lot there to explore with Charlotte on Raw without having her move to NXT. I just don't think that's necessary. Again, the matches will be great. Um, if it was a case of Rhea having to take the championship off of her, because her work visa expired, then I get it. But she denied it, so I'm not really sure what to believe. And Mm -hmm. if she's not on TV for the next, I don't know, month or two, because they're taping a lot of TV reportedly in the next week, then okay, I believe it. If she's on Raw or NXT next week and they just took the championship off of her just for the sake of taking the title off her and swerving people, then I think that's insanely dumb. So we'll see where they go with it. It's really hard to judge right now. Rhea could win the belt as soon as next month. I just don't really think that, oh, Charlotte giving her another title for the sake of giving her another title. I just don't think is necessary. And they've also established in the past the NXT Women's Championship doesn't even count towards her overall record because it's technically a developmental title. Now, maybe because it's on USA, it counts towards the record. I call BS on that. I think that's crap. Um, You know, (laughs) she's a 10-time champion. She's not an 11-time champion. She's not a 12-time champion because if you count the NXT Women's title all of a sudden, she's a 12-time champion because she's held that belt twice now. So I think that's completely ridiculous. Um, But anyway, getting back to my original point, Listen, I like Charlotte a lot. I'm not, you know, crapping on her because I'm, I'm a, a anti-Charlotte fan. I think she has amazing matches. She goes in there. That Rhea match was the best wrestling match of either show. Like, I don't really think there's much of an argument there. Um, she's had great matches with Sasha, Bailey, Becky, everybody, everyone you can possibly imagine over the last number of years. It's not really a Charlotte issue. It's more so the booking of Charlotte. And I just didn't really think she needed to win this match. But again, that's purely my opinion. Uh few quick points um let, let me go back to uh the bone yarn fireflower just, just to kind of reiterate so yep. you're saying that if if this wrestlemania was held in tampa bay yep that we would have had regular matches between john cena and bray wyatt and aj and taker right absolutely there's no doubt in my mind that had this show go on as planned they would have done normal matches the only reason they did this was because okay we know we can't have an audience look at an empty arena for six seven hours that's just not practical Mm -hmm. we got to do something else and i think they were very smart to do that because again they're not gonna i know they did the hollywood backlot brawl back at wrestlemania what was it 12 12. that was different i mean that wasn't one extended segment it was over the course of the show it ended in the ring none of these matches i mean i guess cena came out for his entrance and that was um, otherwise they never took place in the ring it just I don't think it's fair to the audience to sit there and watch a match at Wrestlemania if you're in the arena if you're paying hundreds of dollars for these tickets just to watch a match on the screen that you could watch at home like I just don't think that's fair so they took advantage of the situation I think they should definitely do more stuff like this on Raw and on SmackDown and for whatever other you know reasons they have on the network or whatever but uh, under normal circumstances, all as great as these matches, quote unquote, were, there's no way I don't think you could do them at a normal show. But hey, this this pandemic thing, this uh, quarantine, whatever empty arena crap is going to be going on for seemingly a, a while. So they might as well make the most of it. And I think it really benefited Bray more than anyone else. I mean, I guess kind of Taker too, because Taker has not had a oh my god, that was a great match in over at least five years. The Brock matches a couple of years ago were pretty good inside Hell in the Cell and whatnot. Everything after that was a complete dud. So, like, I think he benefited. He looked really good. The American Badass returning was awesome. Bray Wyatt, yeah. you know, I love Bray Wyatt, dude. I know you're a big Bray Wyatt fan. In the ring, not the greatest wrestler. And that's not his fault. He's more of a character-driven guy. His matches as The Fiend, since, you know, we won the belt, were not that good. The Brian matches, I thought, were good, but whatever. Um, I don't think you should take the championship off of him for that reason. But he's more of a character guy. That match that he had on Sunday was more character-driven, which is why I think it was such a success. So if they can do more stuff like that in the interim, um, I would love it. I think it should really open their eyes to, hey, this stuff works. People liked it. It was well-received. I thought people would poop all over that stuff, but they didn't. They actually 
appreciated it and they accepted it. So um, hopefully they do more stuff like that in the future, even under normal circumstances. Again, you can't do it all way. You can't do it all the time. Right. But I think on occasion, if done the right way with the right people in the right environment, I think it could be a lot of fun. So now I was off with the Seth Rollins stuff. Um, yeah. I did forget WrestleMania 3. I, somebody put out there, even, uh, I could be wrong, but so, the company would say, oh, um, this gave Seth Rollins his first loss at Mania, and then you said 31, and they go, oh, shit. But you know who has not won a WrestleMania match, Graham? Uh, f- uh, Bray Wyatt until Sunday. Sasha Banks. Oh, yeah. Isn't she like 0-5 now or something? Something like that. Just- <laughs> Dude, that's bad. That's bad. That does not get talked about enough. Bray Wyatt was like 0-3 until Sunday. I'm not even really sure you can call that a win, but it's better than nothing. It's but- a win, Graham. I'll take it. It's a win. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she's in the Vince McMahon category of being like 0-4 at Mania. That's so bad. Jeff Hardy was like 0-4, 0-5 at Mania. 0-6 maybe until he came back at... um in 2017 so that's that's not good but like why why do you why do you feel that is why do you feel that sasha banks what 2020 she's been uh what at least four or five years in the five company, years yeah five years in and she has not won a wrestlemania match why do you think that is creative um the time was never right in some circumstances but i will say though dude they could have had her win at least two of those manias and those two manias were last year sasha and bayla should not have dropped those tag titles that was a complete joke as soon as the iconics gained possession of those belts they went completely down the tubes and even once the kabuki warriors won and they were damaged goods i don't give two craps about those tag team titles no one cares she should have won last year got her first big mania win Mm -hmm. they put the belts in the iconics for some dumb reason it did not pay off they're not even on tv anymore so we haven't seen them i don't know where they at yeah, they've been gone for months since at least November, if not before. That's uh, w- what a waste. Wow. She should have won last year, and she also should have won, in my opinion, at WrestleMania 32. I think that threat. was her match to win. That was when it was her, Charlotte, and Becky mm-hmm. for the then Divas title, which was then made into the WWE Women's Championship that night. Right. Everyone expected Sasha to win. She got the big Snoop Dogg entrance with her cousin Snoop Dogg. It was amazing, and then yeah. she lost. I know they were doing that because I guess they maybe wanted to have her win the belt at like SummerSlam, and she ended up winning on that first Raw, the brand extension, which was a cool moment. I mean, I don't really think there was much of a reason for Charlotte to hold on to it because by that point, she'd already beaten everyone. She had a feud with Natalia for like two months in order to keep it going until Sasha came back. So I think she should have won of that mania. Um, 33, Bailey had just won the belt. There was really no need for Sasha to win the championship that night unless they turned her heel or something, which they should have, but they didn't. And then 34... She was in the Battle Royal, and she probably should have won that night, too. And that was when they were in the process of kind of sort of turning her heel, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think she got dumped out by, like, Bailey or Naomi or some dumb crap. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the time was there for her to win. It's not like, oh, she could have – she should have always lost at every one of these manias that can justify every single loss. I, I can't because there were multiple occasions where she should have won and just didn't. Yeah, I find it very weird that she can't get one dub – at WrestleMania, but hopefully next year in Hollywood she can uh, get off the sh- get off the Schneid. All right. <laughs> hey, maybe she beats Dana Brooke next year on the kickoff show. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, you never know. It could be her and Bailey uh, at WrestleMania. Cause I, again, now <laughs> ba- Bailey wins at Mania because Sasha helps her. But now what? Um, I know SummerSlam's coming up in Boston. So again, we all start thinking, hey, it's gonna be Sasha and Bailey at SummerSlam because you know Sasha, you know, she's from Boston, but then you, you just never know because even though you're from the hometown, they might they still might make you lose. So that's what happened yeah. with, with her, her remember four years ago she faced Charlotte in her yeah. hometown of Boston and she and, lost. I was there. Lost. It's the worst pay per view I've ever been to. Yeah. Hell <laughs> twenty sixteen. It was terrible. <laughs> so she's no yeah, she's no exemption to that. And it, that that's even assuming that they're in Boston. Boston, because the pay per view may not even happen at this point. So, yeah, well, I, I hope so. But I, which I also know. I saw that uh, the next one coming up was Money in the Bank, and that's um, got canceled as far as being in Baltimore. So I mean, that's no surprise. That, that's right. in a month from now. Then things won't be back to normal by then. So now we're looking at. I know we're skipping here, but I know money now likely Money in the Bank will be at the PC if they even can't even do it if they're allowed to even perform there. So that's uh, questionable. My question for you was going to be, um, 
you know, now with Bailey and Sasha could be on the path to uh, going after the title. And then now also with Becky too. Like now, what does Becky do? Is it going to be does Shayna come back at a later date and, and try to beat Becky? Or do you mm-hmm. think there's a, a, a Ronda Rousey factor out there? Like the only, the only person Becky is going to lose to is Ronda Rousey and that's it. But again, there's no timetable for her coming back or anything. So just the trajectories of both women's titles are we are we are we on the path to Bailey and Sasha, and are we on the path to Becky and Ronda, or are we still doing Becky and Shayna down the road? No, yeah, Becky and Shayna, I think will happen again. If if they weren't, I don't think they would have done the finish the way they did. I think they would have beaten Shayna more decisively. So, like I said earlier, I think it's only inevitable before uh, Shayna wins the Raw Women's Championship from Becky, mm-hmm. and then on the SmackDown side, I could see Sasha dropping the belt to I'm sorry, Bailey dropping the belt to Sasha um, at SummerSlam in Boston would be nice. But again, even if they aren't in Boston and they have to move it to the PC, which would be terrible, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, I still see. I mean, I know Sasha helped her win on Sunday, but they, I mean, they didn't tease tension for no reason. They've been headed in that direction for a while. They've been headed in that direction for like five years now, but better late than never. Um, I think it's only inevitable because no one else on SmackDown really stands out to me as being the right person to take that belt off of Bailey. I mean, Lacey and Naomi already got their shot. They're losers. Tamina's a loser. Dana Brooks a loser. Who else on SmackDown, unless they move someone or call someone up, which I don't see happening. I just don't really see anyone but Sasha taking that belt off of her. So um, I do see that happening at around SummerSlam time. They'll probably have the slow build. And hopefully, here's hoping they actually go through with it this time because they've teased having them feud multiple times over the years and nothing ever came of it. So hopefully it actually happens this time. Um, all right, so as we put a bow on WrestleMania, um, so I guess you... You liked it more than you hated it. You were surprised about how they did Firefly and in, in the Boneyard match. Um, they ended a lot of stories. They, they I think they continued uh, a few stories. We have new champions uh, with Drew, with Charlotte, with Alexa and Nikki Cross. So overall, as we move on, you feel like you feel like it was more of a success than a failure, right? I do. I, I don't think it's a failure. I mean, people can sit there and say, oh, it was terrible. I mean, it's all subjective, but mm. um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's hard to call the show, oh, it was so bad. I mean, again, watching with no fans is really tough, but there's nothing they can do. It's not their fault. So right. um, with that being said, and then they made the most of a bad situation, as I said earlier. Overall, I think the pros outweighed the cons, the positive outweighed the negatives, and it turned out to be a pretty fun two-day show. All right, so... Moving on, we did mention Ronda, but she's, uh, I guess she's having this little uh, back and forth with Nia Jax. I read earlier today that Nia was on some sort of Zoom thinking with a couple of the people and paraphrasing and making a long story short, I think she was trying to indicate that uh, Alexa Bliss was getting hurt in matches due to a certain, a quote unquote, certain somebody. And I don't, I'm not sure if she mentioned Ronda by name, but I think that the, the most of the indication was that the person she was referring to was uh, Ronda Rousey. So maybe that's why Alexa was getting hurt back in the day or she takes the time uh, coming to the ring um, and stuff like that. So what do you make of this Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey thing that she's putting the blame or supposedly putting the blame on on Ronda for Alexa getting hurt in matches? Yeah, that's assuming she was talking about Ronda. I mean, yeah. she didn't outright name her, but I mean, it's pretty... It, it would seem pretty likely that she is because she the way that she phrased it was, oh, she was getting thrown around. Alexa, Alexa Bliss was. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sasha Banks ain't thrown around. I know they had documented heat, uh, Alexa and Sasha, but I mean, she ain't throwing Alexa around. They're the same size. So that kind right. of rules her out. Charlotte wouldn't really make sense. She didn't really have heat. I mean, she's Charlotte. Rhonda would make absolutely sense in that situation. My thing is, with Nia Jax, I I saw that headline with Nia Jax calling out Worker over being unsafe. It's the pot calling the kettle black. Like, dude, how many stories have we, how many times have we seen, not even stories, but how many times have we seen over the last five years, this woman get in there and completely, just legitimately hurt people? Not maybe because she's not, I don't want to say reckless or unsafe, but she's just not that good. 
Like she legitimately broke Becky Lynch's face, and yeah, they turned it into a positive. But like, yeah. how does that even happen? And it's okay. One thing, whatever. Everyone gets, you know, everyone hurts someone at some point. Rollins did it multiple times. Yeah, it happened to Cena, staying in one year. I mean, I mean, God, it sucked for him. But like, she did it to Zelina Vega one time. I think in the Battle Royal at Evolution, she got hurt. She was out for a couple weeks back in 2018. She legitimately hurt Alexa Bliss during one of their rematches. I think in the Payback or Backlash pay per view that same year. Mm-hmm. she hurt her um the list goes on and on she hurt charlotte during one of their matches a couple years ago almost killed the girl i think she almost didn't catch her during their match about three years ago i want to say on raw man like she's just no good like when i when i saw that i was like dude i just laughed i thought it was funny she's <laughs> just dead She's one of the most unsafe people in the company, so I thought that was really dumb for her to say. And Ronda really, hey, she, listen, she ain't been doing this as long as Nia. Nia's been doing this for a lot longer than Ronda has, and uh, Nia still isn't that good, so mm, she probably should keep her mouth shut. But uh, yeah, I just thought the whole thing was dumb. Yeah, it's crazy that you, the the point you made that Nia can knock out Becky Lynch on on Raw, make her face bleed from a broken nose, and you kind of derailed that Survivor Series match between Becky and Charlotte, uh, and Becky and, and Ronda, where you kind of changed the course of history for a little bit, then you say um, somebody else is reckless <laughs> for um, throwing Alexa Bliss. Listen, yep. It just, I don't know, man. It just, uh, I mean, it, I'm happy to see her back. You know, I, I did forget about that. She did return on Raw, so she's back. Uh, I think she was out for quite a while with um, about a year, actually. Yeah, and, uh, the ACL, some some injuries she had on both both knees, which both is crazy. Knees, yeah, ACL, I think. So, regardless, I'm glad that she's back. Uh, what else we got here? The revival got released, I think, earlier today. So we. I mean, it's not a surprise. I think they they asked for their release a few months ago. They did not get it. But now they are free to go. From what I saw earlier, they are free to work anywhere. There's like no yep. comp- non-compete clause. So what do you make of the uh, the revival finally getting their release? And where do you think they end up? I mean, yeah, they asked for their releases a couple months ago, but this goes way back, dude, to like January of last year. Like the reports of them wanting to leave go back over almost a year and a half to them being unhappy and wanting to leave. It was right before actually they won the Raw Tag Team titles. Um, They were just being booked just not well. They'd been in the main roster for a couple of years by that point. And yeah, injuries kind of derailed their momentum. That was absolutely a factor. I totally get that. I'm not denying that. At the same time, though, they've been healthy since late 2017. One got hurt, and then the other got hurt, and then they were back, and they've been back for several years now. And they've done absolutely nothing. And yes, they won three tag team titles last year, but that was solely because the company wanted to get them to resign. And then when they didn't, they embarrassed them, and then they put the belts back on them, they embarrassed them again. It was so hot and cold, back and forth. It's like, just let them go. Like, they just don't want to be here. You're not going to resign them. I know the OC eventually gave in, and they resigned for pretty good deals and whatever, and they're in a decent spot. But the revival will be just better utilized elsewhere. So I'm glad they're gone. Um, I'm not going to say they they got, you know, they, I think they were absolutely underappreciated. Are they the greatest tag team of the 21st century? No. But they are a lot better than the company gives them credit for. And at the end of the day, it really was now they booked the revival so much as it was. The company did not see tag team wrestling as a priority at all and the, the tag team wrestling will never be a priority it may be for a cup of coffee maybe like 10 minutes here and there uh, every so often but other than the occasional tag team renaissance they will never like when was the last time the tag team titles headlined a pay-per-view never because that'll just it's not going to happen tag team wrestling is just not a priority to them so uh, they would rather take their talents go elsewhere where they would be more appreciated the place like AEW that makes the most sense to me uh, where their tag team division is you know, really, really hot. But I said a couple months ago and they re, you know, again, requested their release from the company. Mm-hmm. I don't think people, you know, to play devil's advocate here should get their hopes up too high for the revival in AEW. I mean, look at the Lucha Bros, dude. They came in with a ton of fire, best tag team in the world, I would argue, even over the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, Pentagon Jr., Phoenix, amazing tag team. What have they done since they joined the company? Absolutely nothing. They beat the Young Bucks in that tag team ladder rematch back in August. Other than that, they have done diddly squat in the last nine months they've just done absolutely nothing so like and that's because they just have a lot of tag teams like i think the best friends have maybe gotten more wins than uh the lucha bros have Mm -hmm. like how does that happen or 
trying to think of the other teams they have right now. Um, SCU, like I like SCU. Yeah. How are they the inaugural tag team champions over the Lucha Bros? That to me just doesn't make any sense. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think people should get their hopes up. They may have one good feud or two when they first get there with LAX, uh, Santana and Ortiz, and um, the Young Bucks. But due to the year from now, they could very well be on AEW Dark facing you know Best Friends or uh, you know Jurassic Express or whatever. So you got to temper your expectations just a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, AEW has so many stables, too. Uh, they got so many uh, three three people that I can't even keep up with. There's so many stables they got there right now for no for no reason. No, dude, they have so many. They just made another stable a couple um about a month ago when they did uh, Pack and the Lucha Bros. That was the only way the Lucha Bros are on TV right now is because of Pack. What is it? Pack and the Lucha Bros. They got one with Dustin Rhodes now. With, uh, he's- yeah, it's the... um. It's the Nightmare family. It's like him, Cody, Brandy, and and uh, that other guy, yeah. QT Marshall. They're another one. Jurassic Express is yeah. another one. SCU is another one. Dark Order, Butcher, dark. Bunny, and Blade. Um, <laughs> they had another dark. St- they have so the Elite, many. obviously, the Inner Circle. That's like that's just you know scratching the surface. I think there's another one I'm not thinking of. Another. They had the Nightmare Collective. That was that was scrapped. Thank God. Um, <laughs> Come on, Grand. That was the best one. Oh, that was so that was so bad. <laughs> But, um, yeah, they, they are faction crazy. Yeah, trust me, I like a good faction, but when everyone in your company is in a faction, that's like WCW 2.0. Yeah, could you imagine uh, WWE having so many factions that the fans would be like, oh, come on, it's a faction every every week. What's going on here? But AEW does it. It's like... Oh, it's okay. It's yeah, fine. It's like it's different. I the thing is, though, they, I know they get it from New Japan. New Japan has a lot of it. I don't like it in New Japan either. I just think it's a lot. There's like, but who belongs to what stable? It's so confusing. Who cares? Mm. Who cares? No one really gets over. Either faction may get over, but no one, no individual person gets over. I don't think. So I, I don't. I mean, again, here and there, I like Jurassic Express. I like the Inner Circle. Everything else, and eh, they could probably do away with SCU. Maybe, but other than that, they should probably do away with so many stables. The the pack one, the Death Triangle, is completely forced. They work well together, but it's so random, and it just it just feels forced to me. And for the record, uh, before we go forward, NXT beat AEW in the ratings by a thousand viewers. I know it's it's not like you know the main Monday Night War for back in the day, but it's they're sharing the same amount of, amount of fans, 1.2 million people. They haven't really, both have not really grown their fan audience. I know now in, in these times, it's going to be even more difficult. So, I mean, I want to ask you like, hey, what do you think of NXT beating AEW? But I want you more to tell me like, um, what did, what did I miss from watching AEW and NXT this week? I, I did not see it. They were two good shows. I enjoyed both shows. Um, NXT was more of a takeover theme show. They had the women's ladder match mm. with the uh, winner advancing to face Charlotte for the NXT Women's Championship. Io Shirai won that. That was a great match. Um, Gargano and Shapa will not be everyone's cup of tea. I thought, even though it was longer, I thought it was what Edge and Orton should have been. Edge and Orton, to me, probably should have been 15 minutes shorter because they just worked the same style for the entire match. Mm-hmm. And we saw we saw Gargano and Ciampa do literally the same thing three weeks earlier by brawling around the PCA. Um, Ciampa and Gargano on Wednesday, they took their fight outside. They were fighting on top of a truck. Um, they kept things interesting, exciting. There was never at any point during that match where I felt bored. There was no commentary too, which I think was interesting. Um, the finish, people might argue, was a little shady. They had Candice LeRae interfere and... Um, you know, cost Chompa the victory, and then she aligned with Gargano, was her husband, obviously, and they turned heel. I, I thought it was a cool finish. I thought it was a good match. Um, that was really about it. They had their new faction um, managed by Malcolm Bivens. Um, Indus Sheer, I, I don't know what their names are. I forgot. Something Singh, I don't know. But they debuted. They had a match. Dynamite, I thought, was a good show, too. The Jericho. Jericho being on commentary was absolutely amazing. Him and Tony Giovanni are just a money duo on commentary. He's so funny. And then... I think they had Cody and Sean Spears in the first round of the AEW TNT title tournament. That was a good match. They had Hikuro Shida versus Britt Baker and probably the best women's match they've ever had on their show. I thought that was a really good match. Uh, Matt Hardy challenging Jericho to a uh, elite deletion match, which is cool. Mm. Um, so again, I thought overall they're making the most of these no fan things. I think Dynamite having wrestlers in the audience really, really helps. I think WWE can't do that for whatever reason. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought both 
shows were good. They're not exactly. I mean, I, I thought NXT. I don't know if it's must see because it was a takeover show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you sit through either two hours of wrestling. And what did I miss that was noteworthy from Raw and SmackDown? SmackDown. Well, I mean, SmackDown was a go home show last week. Uh, SmackDown's tonight. Um, I think Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the tag team titles on a WrestleMania rematch is advertised. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Um, Braun Strowman's on. Who cares? I don't really know what's going to happen on SmackDown, but Raw, Raw, I did not think was good at all for a post WrestleMania <laughs> show. Listen, I, I know you can't get the fans in there. I get it because that's what those shows are all about. But like, they could have put more star power on there than they did. I think it was filmed before Mania, which is probably why because they didn't mm-hmm. want to give away spoilers and stuff. Right. The McIntyre Big Show thing was incredibly wa- random and it was a complete waste of time. So dumb, stupid, whatever. Did not like that. Um, Bel Air got the call up, which was cool. Nia Jax came back, cool, I guess. Um, that was really about it. There really was uh, not much Seth, more to that show than that. Seth beat a jobber. I saw that. Seth beat a jobber. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of job. A lot of people beat NXT people on this show, and I just, just I mean, who cares? I don't know. I mean, it felt like an episode of Superstars. I'm not going to lie. I heard uh, uh, Apollo and Alice Black had like a nice long match. Some shit like they did. that. They had, they had a nice long match. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say Apollo Cruz is gonna get pushed or like they see the lightning. Like the guy's been in the main roster dude for four years. They have not done anything with him up to this point. They never will. He's damaged goods and no one cares. It was a good match though. I would rather see them give those people more time than replay an old match. And I'm all for old, replaying old matches if it's a good classic match that I would rather rewatch than uh I mean if it's an elimination chamber match from a month ago, probably not. But if it's an actual classic match, like on SmackDown last week, they replayed Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair from wrestlemania 24 yeah great choice that's a that's a very good match and rick flair's quote-unquote retirement match that's a great match um you know stuff from a month ago i really have no desire in but uh they didn't do the replays on raw this week so i thought that was a nice change and they gave black and apollo cruz like 30 minutes i would rather see that than the replays but that's just me overall though i thought it was a pretty flat show they gave apollo and uh, black uh 30 minutes what, what is it the last last man standing match <laughs> yeah dude it was like 29 minutes Jesus and they Christ. restarted that street profits bel-air austin theory crap like three times like mm-hmm. just do the six-man tag team match and have that be it like you don't right. need to restart things multiple times i know they're in tough times right now and having to fill tv there's no excuse that that was just i mean it makes any casual viewer want to tune out because it's just boring and lazy and uncreative you know what grant real quick you might think you might think it's like oh my you know you that, that was that was pretty dumb but for for a second i'm watching wrestlemania and when they kept saying the pc i don't know why but I thought that where they were performing at for WrestleMania was mm-hmm. fucking full sale for some for some reason. Oh my goodness! Like, I mean, it's it's easy to get the two mixed up. I thought, I thought when I was watching Gargano and Ciampa on Wednesday that they were fighting at full sale, but then I forgot. Oh wait, full sale's closed. Yeah. I mean, again, they're, they're so they're so close to each other. It's easy to mix the two up. But yeah, full sale's closed for right now, so they're taping everything in the PC. I think that's crazy. Um, I got a question. Since we have new Universal and new WWE champion, uh, yep. Braun and, and Drew, from a fan perspective, which reign are you looking most forward to seeing as far as the potential matchups that Drew can have outside of Big Show mm-hmm. and uh, potential show. matchups that, that Braun could have? Uh, I know Braun was put in last minute, so it, it's, it's, it's not like... It, it he did not have the story and the build up going into Mania like Drew did and also winning the winning the Rumble. So which one are you most looking forward to and what kind of magic you feel like both can have as champion? Drew, Drew, a hundred percent Drew. Like it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um listen, I like Braun. I do. The guy's booking is horrendous though. I can't sit here and say that it would put in the belt on him. They were kind of put in a tough spot. I think they should have kept the belt on Goldberg and wait until Roman was ready to come back, but we don't know when that is. So right. I understand that now. I get it. It wasn't entirely practical to keep the belts on um, on Goldberg because I mean, he's going to be holding the belt for a while of these empty arena shows that the PC keep happening, and Roman, I, I assume, is not coming back until everything is safe and good to go. So we might not be back for a while. And Braun, yeah, he's a young guy. I'm not complaining about that, but like, dude, his booking over the last three years has been so bad. Like, mm-hmm. he's failed to win that championship, God knows how many times. He finally right. wins it, 
No one's there. Like, I just, I don't know. I mean, this is the same dude that's been off TV for a month. He dropped the belt off Sami Zayn out of all people. Right. Like, who cares? Who cares about Braun Strowman? And listen, I like the guy. I wish him the best. The timing was terrible. And if they built, if they actually built him up for a couple months, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm on board with this. But he's had no momentum. Even his IC champion, that reign was completely forgettable. So uh, I'm not a big fan of him as the champion. Maybe he'll exceed expectations, have this great reign. I just don't foresee that happening. The only feud with Braun I'm looking forward to seeing from a character standpoint is him and Bray. Bray never got really – I mean he got screwed out of the belt. Uh, should get back in the mix at some point. Him and Braun have never faced off. I think the Fiend attacked Braun on an episode of Raw last year, but that was about it. But obviously, there's so much history to tell there with the former Riot uh, Riot Squad, Wyatt family <laughs> members. God forbid, um, Wyatt family guys. I think there's just a story that, to tell there. Other than that, I mean, maybe Sheamus, maybe like that's a match I would like to see from SmackDown. And Roman, we've seen a million times. Who cares? Uh, the SmackDown has like no top talent, so it's hard to say. On Raw, Drew, the possibilities are limitless. Like I know they all lost at Mania, but I can name three right off the bat: three potential challengers: Randy Orton, mm-hmm. who he and him have unfinished business from uh, before the Rumble. Orton like RKO'd him out of nowhere, and Drew was like kind of going babyface <coughs> at that point. Never really wrapped up that feud, so you can go back to that him and rollins um have had a ton of matches in the last couple of years but never a full-fledged feud with these current roles mm-hmm. rollins should be back in the belt uh, in the title picture at some point and um who is the other person i was thinking of the other heel rollins i mean brock you could do a rematch maybe i don't really need to see that personally right unless drew wins decisively again i just don't i don't see that happening um, so i would say for drew you mentioned aj seth. styles is another two yeah seth aj you mentioned, I would say, what were you going to say? You mentioned Seth, AJ. Who was the first one you oh, mentioned? Orton. Orton. Orton, yes. Yeah. Um, KO could be one. Yeah, he actually teased going back for the belt on Monday. I think or I think him and AJ would be a lot of fun. I don't think they've ever had a one-on-one match in, in WWE, let alone ever, like anywhere. Oh. So I think that could be a lot of fun. AJ's been gone from the title picture for so long after being champion for a year there for right. a while that it would feel fresh to have him back in the title picture again. Right. Um, you know, Sheamus would be cool. They have a lot of history if they actually, you know, if, I mean, Sheamus is on SmackDown technically. Um, Alistair Black at some point, I mean, he would probably lose, but that would be a very interesting match. McIntyre mm. and Black would be pretty sick. Um, there's a lot of people there. Uh, you know, there's also, I, I hate to say it, hate to say it, but it does make sense. Uh-oh. Jinder Mahal, former 3MB guys, former yeah. WWE champion in his own right. Listen, as a regular TV main event, as a filler feud before McIntyre moves on to someone bigger, I'm totally okay with that there we go. McIntyre, Mahal should be back anytime now that's one way to bring him back with importance not that I really care but it would make sense and another guy although he's the current United States champion Andrade Andrade McIntyre would be cool because okay. remember Andrade was actually the one who beat McIntyre for that NXT championship a couple of years ago and that was it McIntyre got hurt got hurt he never got that win back they never resumed the rivalry and that was it so Andrade still owns a victory over McIntyre that has gone you know unanswered so um yeah I, I would love to see that feud as well there's a lot of possibilities you could you could have a Shawn michaels 1996 reign which i know was setting the bar very high but michaels you know how many people how many fresh matches and feuds he had as champion in 96 with vader with mankind diesel sid. psycho sid yep british bulldog wasn't he one of them too yeah he was he was you know beat bret hart like there were so many fresh feuds for michaels and that's why he had such a great reign and all those matches were awesome so i'm not saying he's the next Shawn michaels but he got to have a very have a very similar reign to that although there's no fans that kind of hurts it mm-hmm. um but he i think if booked properly he can have a very good reign with a lot of different fresh fresh faces to work with so you you wouldn't want uh drew and dolph Game former well, tag champions SmackDown or or you, oh you know what you could do um I don't know but you could do Drew and Edge too yes Drew and Edge is another one that's a fresh feud they might have had a match on SmackDown like a decade ago but mm-hmm. Edge has never really been in the WWE title match for a long time so that would make sense um you know him and um him and Dolph isn't terrible but it kind of falls in the junior category where yeah they have history and you can build off of that but they've already had a ton of matches and 
it would have to be like a filler feud. Like I don't want them to have a pay-per-view match. Like Kofi and Dolph having a, having a pay-per-view match a couple, like what was the last year for the world title? Dude, yeah. zero interest. Like that did not feel like a world title match. That felt like it was the main event of SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship because Dolph just hasn't been taken seriously. But as a main event on Raw for the top title, whatever. But it doesn't even really matter anyway because I think I think Dolph's currently on SmackDown anyway with Otis, so it doesn't even matter. Oh yeah, duh. Um, Braun. Now for Braun, you can get um, obviously, you get Roman. Um, does Goldberg get a rematch? You never know. Probably um, not, but yeah, it's a possibility. Who else on SmackDown? Um, I mean, again, Jeff Hardy maybe, but Jeff they're both Hardy. baby faces, so probably not. Again, I say Sheamus and Bray Wyatt. The Fiend, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think of. Does Kofi get back in the mix? Nah, him and Kofi just seems like a weird pairing. And Kofi's in the he's in the tag team title picture anyway. Nakamura and Cesaro are losers, and Braun's already beaten them a million times. Sami Zayn's beaten a million times. Daniel Bryan's on Daniel SmackDown, Bryan, but he looks yeah. like he's going for the Intercontinental Championship. Mm. So I don't know. There's really not many. Honestly, there's not many options. SmackDown's roster is kind of desolate right now. Wow. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested in both. I'm glad they both won the titles. You know, Braun's first championship also with Drew. Um, it's I don't know, man. I like I like both, but I think far as who can have the better matches and better stories, I think Drew uh, is going to go down the road as being the better champion. But you never know, right? So we'll see. Yeah, no, we'll see. Anything can happen. I do think the pandemic will hurt it because there's no fans. But you know, we'll hopefully. Hopefully they could still have good matches and stuff like that, and it it, it won't matter. But you know, yeah, I mean, unless you I just think they had both had to win their first world titles in front of absolutely nobody. But what can you do? Those, such are the circumstances right now. Unless you get Drew in a big show again, <laughs> dude. I could not. I don't that think I've ever crazy. been closer to having a heart attack than it was in those ten <laughs> minutes when Big Show almost beat Drew for that belt. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he, he called them a bitch or whatever. He slapped them in the face. And yeah, you know, dumb. that's what happens. <laughs> dumb, 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 dumb. Um, I, they just did it to promote his Netflix show, which I do plan on watching at some point. So Not me. I'll, not give, me. I'll give my two cents on that next time we come on the show. Uh, what else we got here? Um, XFL's done. XFL's done. Wow. Like, Canceled. um I don't even know what to say. So we, we heard about... For what a shame. Years, yeah, for years, Vince wanted to come back and you put a lot of money into it. I think he took stock out of his own whatever and he put a lot of money into this and it was it was going good. I mean, like, it, it, first year back in, in in almost 20 years and there was some buzz and I think one player got signed by Carolina Panthers. So you started seeing that momentum going and then bing, bang, mm-hmm. boom. It's not even like we're on hold and we'll come back next year. Now, there's nothing. There's no plan of coming back. So it's very, um, very unfortunate. I think it was something that was reinvigorated by McMahon. He had a lot of big-time interest. It looked different. It felt different. It felt more like a real football as opposed to what it was um, the first go-around. So just, just very unfortunate for the XFL. No, definitely. And I'm a guy that I'm not a football fan at all. You know this, <clears throat> but I checked out the XFL games. I really liked what I saw and I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you, Randy, because you got to go to an XFL game this season yeah. at MetLife. Uh, got to sit near the front row. Very jealous. And I was like, okay, awesome. And listen, Randy got to go. I'm going to, I, I was supposed to go last weekend, the day before mania at MetLife. It was defenders versus guardians. And of course the game got canceled immediately within days of the whole world ending. They announced the XFL season was over and the, the tickets were null and void, which stinks. But, um, yeah, no, I'm really disappointed because I think it went off really, really well. They did a lot of things different, not just from the NFL, but things different from their own, you know, their, their first season 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And it looked like it was going well. They had momentum. People were talking about it, positive reviews. All By all accounts, the ratings were decent. Um, they didn't flop as big as they did the first time. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised because they did say when they, when they closed shop about a month ago, for the rest of the season, they're like, oh, we'll see you in 2021. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if they'll make it that far. Like, this might be it. Even even if we had no pandemic, this might have been it anyway. This might have been it anyway. They might have so? just found out, you know, they didn't have enough money and, and, and whatever and just 
that would have been it. And it just, and it's, and it's not obviously it turned out to be the case where the season's done. So I think it might be a combination of the pandemic and the fact they just didn't make enough profit off of it. And if that's the case, then that stinks. Cause again, it really looked like they were on the right track before this whole thing happened. So that sucks. I mean, and it's not a rumor either. Everyone, people that work there literally tweeted, yeah, I got fired today. So it, it's a very real thing. Yeah, I got that too. Uh, I know a few people from like, you know, just on social media was like, all right, since today's my last day at uh, XFL, I'm like, what? Like, really? Like, uh, I thought it would just say, you know, just on hold and we'll see what happens. But they they just started releasing everybody, which is, you know, sad and unfortunate. Um, did you see the Brawl for All on Vice? I did. I thought that was a great episode. It might be one of the weaker ones they've done just because a lot of what they talked about was already common knowledge. Not to me, though. I honestly haven't really done much research on the Brawl for All mm-hmm. um, until what I heard in that. I, I, I've never, it just never really fascinated me. I know it was a dumb, a dumb concept. It was one of the dumbest concepts they've ever done. Um, but I thought it was a very good episode. I enjoyed it hearing from jim ross the cornet russo stuff was amazing uh dlo brown bart gun that was a good find to get him on there obviously he won the whole thing butterbean it was cool to see him on there yeah um the, the whole thing was fascinating the, the show on the whole people should absolutely check out dark side of the ring it's a great show all six episodes are available for free right now on their website vice vice.com viceland whatever um it airs every tuesday at 10 on vice um the first two episodes on benoit were great the new jack one was also interesting for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. um they're covering owen this season they're covering the road warriors they're covering next week the death of jimmy snuka's wife or girlfriend or whatever uh nancy argentino i believe her name is so a lot of stuff a lot of controversial topics on this season the Mm -hmm. montreal screw job was last season uh fabulous moolah bruiser brody was a good episode it's a great 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 show and i implore everyone to check it out but yeah the, the the brawl for all one on Tuesday was especially entertaining, especially for the comments from uh, Cornette and Vince Russo. Uh, what'd you make of, you know, real quick, what'd you make of the Edge documentary uh, 24? And are you excited for this uh, Undertaker last ride thing that they're doing? Yeah, I'm glad you brought all of this up because now is an appropriate, I mean, I watch this stuff anyway, but now is as an appropriate of time as ever for people to check out this stuff. They're in quarantining. If you're bored, looking for stuff to watch, especially wrestling related, yep. Dark Side of the Ring is a good place to start. And you're not going to spend weeks watching it because there are only 45 minute episodes and there's only, there's so few of them. You'll be done in a day. Um, the 24 is great. It's one of the best 24s they've ever done. I feel like I say that every time they put out a new one. Um, the Hardy Boys one is still my favorite, but this comes close i thought this was tremendous a great behind the scenes look at his in-ring return how he got cleared the, the fact that that 24 wasn't even supposed to be about his return of the ring it was supposed to be about life after wrestling to me is the most fascinating part mm-hmm. the whole thing was amazing uh the the comments from him and beth and you know just it was really really nice to kind of subtly mention aew without actually mentioning aew you know um that was cool so people should check out the edge 24 it was two thumbs up amazing and then the undertaker series dude talk about being glued to your screen like as soon as mania ended like you want to go do something else i couldn't i couldn't even get up i couldn't even change the channel it was so good it was so cool to see taker in that setting yeah and the stone cold broken skull sessions podcast they did um him and stone cold a couple of months ago was good i enjoyed it a lot it was very interesting but i think this series is even better like i was watching it with my girlfriend and her dad and even he was like i need to see the rest of this show because this is great yeah so um that that I mean, seeing Taker just as a normal human being, admitting like I don't want to become a parody of myself, is, is that dude? That's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. And he looks great too, even when he's out of when he when he's out of gear and stuff. He looks far better than when he is in gear as the phenom, and he looks he looks like a train wreck. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. They have not yet announced a return date or when it's premiering on the network. But that first 15 minute sneak peek is must see for sure. Yeah, and that's why I think that Boneyard match is gonna is gonna make Taker stay around for another year or two because now at WrestleMania he don't have to go in the ring. Like again, let's say WrestleMania thirty seven LA and as opposed to putting him in the ring, they can build something where all right, this this is gonna be the one match um that's gonna be outside or filmed prior because like now we, I keep seeing 
oh, now they got to do Undertaker mm-hmm. and Sting. It's got to be it. Hollywood 37. It's got to be a Boneyard match now because now there's no expectations yeah. of people shitting on it. So now this extends Taker's career for a few more years, in my opinion. But now it's like, all right, one, don't make Boneyard a fucking pay-per-view. Don't make, don't make <laughs> yeah, Firefly no, Funhouse like a pay-per-view. Uh, leave it as as his own match. But I think now now the wheels start turning. All right, if Taker does this next year, who sure. does he get? So now Sting was uh, brought up for his fans. Even Mick Foley on Twitter said, hey, Mr. McMahon, you know, I, I want to be in, in the Boneyard next year. Like, I doubt that. Who said that? Mick Foley. Did he really? I didn't see that. It's something he said something to that degree like I love Jesus. it. Uh can I be in the next one? Some shit like probably that. Probably half joking. Oh yeah, p- come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Bowley. We'll but it's like, hey, well. like, is this the time? And this is probably the last question I asked you uh today, but if they do another Boneyard match with Taker, obviously, um, who would you want to see? Like who who's current roster? Uh, alumni is there anybody so you know what I like the AJ Taker but if Taker had this guy this could be very interesting who would I put in another Boneyard match if they were to do it yeah I mean honestly I wouldn't argue with what you said Taker and Sting I mean I said that a couple days ago I don't know if you could do it at Mania because again 80,000 people just watching a TV screen for 20 minutes I think it'd be honestly if if his last match was that match with Styles on Sunday, I would be totally content with that. Um, I thought it was a great way to go out as the American badass and everything else. But if I was to do one more match, I have always wanted to see Sting and Taker. I will not tell you, I will not sit here and imagine or fantasize about oh Sting and Taker would be an amazing match. Not in 2020, May, maybe five years ago, maybe. Definitely, it's like a match that 20, at least 15 years too late. Maybe 10, definitely at least five. But anyway, um, if they're going to do it, they would have to do that. And then Sting's not, I don't even know if he could do it. I know he's not cleared for competition because of his neck, but would he be allowed to do something like that where it's a movie? I don't know. I mean, Edge could do movies, and that's basically what that was, so I don't see why not. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see it. I know people are going to poop all over that idea, like, oh, Taker and Sting, give it a rest. But I, I will give it a rest, but I'm just saying that I do think they could do it if they really wanted to. Hey, Edge came back. Brian came back. I think Sting can come back, too. And I hear there were talks of doing that match anyway. I heard there were talks of doing Taker and Sting months ago, and then it fell through, and they ended up going with Taker and Styles. So uh, maybe they were considering it for the Super Showdown show or, yeah, the, the Saudi show or whatever, and it just fell through. But reportedly, there were talks of bringing Sting in even before this whole Boneyard thing happened. If I'm, if I'm Sting and I see the Boneyard match and I want that match with Taker, I'm saying to myself, I can get it in that environment. I want it to happen. So I think there's a possibility. I'm not putting my money on it, but um, that's what I would like to see, although it's probably not a popular opinion. So, Graham, let's continue to at WWE and let them know that we want Sting and Undertaker next year, WrestleMania in Hollywood (laughs) in a Boneyard match, not a Matt Classic, not a... Pre pregame show match. We want the Boneyard match, WrestleMania 37, Hollywood. It could be the final match of Taker's career. It could be a, a, a retirement match, whatever it is. But I think this might be the best time to get it done. If if Sting says no, I'm done. Then then it's done. But if not, Taker has another few few years to go around, um, especially in that environment. So. Um, I think that's pretty much it, right? I think we covered everything as far as WrestleMania and things that, that have happened after WrestleMania, right? I think so. I think we got another like 20 minutes out of the show from the Ronda and Revival stuff alone, uh, just because that that stuff all happened today and the XFL stuff. So exactly. I'm glad we waited to record the show because that all happened today alone. So it's been a very newsworthy good Friday, to say the least. It's crazy. Um so yeah man you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant does great work for both Bleacher Report and Daily DDT you can find him again on Twitter at WrestleRant you can find me at Randy J. Cruz R-E-N-D-Y the letter J-C-R-U-Z two out of three false podcasts is on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify also Pro Wrestling Tees dot com slash cruise control and i told graham and um you know off the off the air a few days ago that uh we're gonna dive into 
creating another wrestling podcast um it'll be more on the throwback or retro side still trying to find the name and topics and stuff like that but i know Graham will be a part of it uh i doubt mark because he's such he's such such a busy guy he's, he's like john cena now he's nowhere to be found um <laughs> he's tied up with espn exactly now. You, you you just can't see mark anymore um <laughs> but i think it'll be fun it'll be cool because in the event there's not a lot of current stuff to talk about i think me and uh graham can occupy our time once a week on some um retrospective kind of stuff on wrestling whether whether it's a pay-per-view or a match or a moment i have a whole bunch of topics in my notebooks uh here so uh whenever that whenever that happens me and Graham will let you know and we'll, we'll we'll go down the road with that so that's another idea uh to have we have a current one with two out of three falls but I think we're going to embark on something more retro-like when it comes to professional wrestling. So I know, Graham, you'll be a part of that, right? Yeah, 100% looking forward to it. Always love enjoy, uh, always enjoy talking about the old school stuff. And now, yeah. again, as good of a time as ever, just because I don't think if Raw's, if Monday's Raw was any indication, it doesn't look like there's going to be much to talk about with the foreseeable future, especially exactly. if the shows aren't live. Yeah. So I think it's a good time for that. I will throw this in. I forgot to mention this earlier, but mm-hmm. next week, I'm not sure in what form, if it's going to be on my own show or on Bleach Report, probably an article form, but I did talk right before we spoke, actually. I spoke this afternoon to, uh, Jim Ross about his new book that's actually out right now. Uh, we spoke for a good 45 minutes about oh, all nice. things AEW, Attitude Era, Undertaker. We actually talked about the Boneyard match. He gave me his thoughts on that. He talked about Jericho being on commentary. Um, a lot of different things. So nice. uh, just for people to keep an eye out and ear out for that next probably late next week at some point. Oh, definitely, man. Congrats. You know, JR's the Hall of Famer, the GOAT, the legend. So I'm jealous, man. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> He's an amazingly nice guy. I still have to meet him yeah. in person. I've, I've, I've interviewed him yeah. twice over the years, but I've never actually met the guy. But you are right. He is. He's one of the greatest of all time. And I would implore everyone to check out his book, too. If you're looking for something to do during these quarantine times, he has a audio book available for it, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said it was really, really emotional doing that. So people should check that out. It's a, it's a great read from what I've read so far. And just for that, my last point, because you got me jealous, the first episode we're going to do in the Wrestling Retro Pod is the entire Jinder Mahal run as world champion. Oh, there you God. go. <laughs> Jesus, be prepared for that, buddy. Be, be prepared. Awful. Awful. I'll make sure I'm not there for that one. <laughs> Graham Matthews, my man, always appreciate it, man. Thank you, Randy. Enjoy your Easter. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.